Ronaldo vai partir para a bola, Ronaldo, Ronaldo vai partir, paradinha, atirou, golo! Já está! Já está! Já está! Hello and welcome to Portugal Podcast 93. Today we'll be focusing on the Salasau all the way. And nobody better to do that than two of the closest observers of the Portugal national team you are likely to find. I'm speaking, of course, about Salasau specialist, Portuguese, Portugal journalist, Nathan Motts, who has reported on them all around the globe. Nathan, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, how's it going, Tom? I'm glad to be talking about the Salasau again and even more happy about those three points. Good to have you on, Nathan, as usual. And, of course, I'm delighted to also have with us uh, another of our Salasau experts, Simon de Souza. Hi, Simon. All good, amigo? Yeah, all good. Still uh, still getting over the Danilo transfer from yesterday, but besides that, everything's well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, like I was just mentioning to you earlier, we could do a whole podcast on FC Porto. There are a lot of interesting things happening at that club at the moment. But this time today, we're just going to be focusing on the Portuguese national team. So, plenty to chew over after Portugal's latest two matches. On Sunday, the Seleção beat Serbia 2-1 in Lisbon to make it three wins out of three competitive matches since Fernando Santos took over as head coach from Paulo Bento. This puts the Selecao in a very strong position to qualify automatically for Euro 2016. Uh, just a couple of days later, a completely different lineup, very much an experimental team, with seven players earning their first cap, fell to a disappointing 2-0 defeat at home to Cape Verde in Estoril. So, as you can see, plenty to talk about. And in this podcast, I'll be dipping into the post bag and selecting several of the many comments posted by Portugal readers on our reports about the matches. Uh, thanks a lot for your uh, sharing your opinions. Uh, a lot of very interesting opinions coming into the site. It's always great to read them. Uh, for example, Supremo Gino, after the Serbia win, he said, A winner's a win. Um, an astonishing fact that I came across was that seven of the 11 players in our starting lineup were also part of the Euro 2008 squad. I'm not sure if that's something to be amused about, but hey, they are still getting it done. And John from the USA says, This was a classic Fernando Santos performance in more ways than one. I was really impressed with Moutinho and Coentral. Ronaldo and Thiago also had excellent performances. So Nathan... Santos has been criticised by some for his insistence on, uh, in using the old guard, but it seems to be working. Uh, is this the right policy, in your opinion? Well, I'm, I'm in a position where I, I can't really say uh, that it's, it's the wrong decision, because we're winning. Um, but I, I think I'll, I'll go back to the, the original uh, case that I made, I think in the last podcast, which was that at some point there has to be a move to think of the long-term future of the squad, and in particular when we face some of the younger, more energetic or dynamic teams such as Germany um, or even France, uh, I think we're going to need that, that youthful vigor that, that this squad is lacking. But um, you know, like, like I said in the last podcast, Santos' job when he first came in taking over Palo Bento was to correct uh, the disaster that the qualifying campaign uh, started out as, and I think um, the, the, the older 
players, experienced players have done that. Um, what remains to be seen is now that we have ourselves in a position where we're in control of the group, can we do the intelligent thing and bring in some of those younger players? Um, having said that, it's not, all, it's not all up to Santos because those younger players are going to have to prove themselves. And as we saw uh, in the match against Cape Verde, some of those younger talents that many of us would love to see blossom are still not ready yet. Um, uh, the under-21s also struggled in their last two friendlies. So I think we, there, there has to be a, a time for these players to transition to become um, the, these, the consummate players that we need them to be prior to um, them being available for Santos to integrate into the squad. Um, so over the course of the next year, hopefully players like Bernardo Silva, Marcus Lopez, maybe Bruma down at uh, Galatasaray in, in Turkey can, can prove themselves along with some young defenders and midfield players, and we can uh, begin to um, reinvigorate the squad with some more youth. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think that's the... I suppose we can say the ultimate test of Santos is is yet to come, isn't it? Because uh, it's done a good job so far, but uh, you know this is uh, by definition it's a, a short-term policy because a lot of these players they're doing very well, but uh, they're coming to the end of their careers. Now, uh, not too much doubt about the man of the match, uh, Fabio Cointrão playing in midfield. He set up one, he scored a winner, he was excellent throughout. Uh, going back to the comments. Rolf Gerber, he says, definitely an excellent move to bring Coentrao in left midfield. Should be the default solution as soon as Rafael Guerreiro is fit again. And, uh, of course, Rafael Guerreiro, he played left back for Portugal in the games before Christmas in November. Uh, made a really good impact. He was excellent uh, against Armenia and against Argentina, even scoring the winner in that game. So uh, I think uh, that's an interesting comment. And uh, Edward Pegas says... Coentrao is a machine. He totally needs to play more. I wish he had gone to another club this season. Yeah, of course, he's uh, you know, struggling for playing time in Real Madrid, but uh, it looks like he may be moving on this summer, which would probably be a good thing for him. So, Simon, uh, do you think Coentrao in midfield is something that is here to stay? Um, something that is here to stay permanently, it's, it's hard to tell, and I'll bet... I'll bet if he stays fit, he'll likely find himself back at his left-back position if uh, Raf Guerrero doesn't make the full-time jump. But uh, that's one of the issues currently with Fabio Contrao and why he's struggled to find uh, a, a, a starting spot with Real Madrid is, is, is his fitness now in the past couple of years, and we saw at the World Cup he had to pull out, and I believe he's missed a couple of quali- uh, one or two qualifiers or matches since then. Just unfortunately, his fitness is is become an issue. Uh, he's been on and off again with with some injuries and knocks, even small small seven to ten days. It really interrupts a player. Um, so that's 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 been kind of holding him back. Um, and I understand why some people say, well, Contra has to play more. Well, uh, he always does put in a good shift for the Celisau. Um but injuries have uh, starting to creep up on him as of late, so hopefully he can stay healthy. As for as for what exactly I, I'd like to see now, Coentrao was uh, excellent in the match against Serbia at left midfield, and between him and Giamatinho was was man of the match. But uh, did it really? Was it really enough to outweigh the disadvantage of having Eliseo at left back? Uh, you know that's. 
I don't, I don't know if, it, if it's worth it, to be honest. Uh, Contral really excels anywhere on the field, but uh, I don't know if it's enough that uh, it's worth the gamble with Eliseo at left back, considering that there are uh, better other good midfielders within the squad. Uh, William Carvalho only had a few minutes on the field, but but he's generally looked looked pretty steady for the Selesau. Andre Gomes has been uh, developing quite well uh, also. So there are other midfield options. Um, and uh, if, it, if it were up to me, I, I would not take the gamble on Elizio as a permanent left back. I would move Contrao back to that position. Yep, I must admit, I think I'm with you there. Uh, I think you play your best players in their best position. And uh, Fabio Coentrao, uh, I think he's proved over the years that he really, when he's on his game, is probably one of the finest left-backs in the world. And so uh, I would stick with him there. And uh, like you said, it's not really as if uh, Portugal have got a shortage of options in midfield at the moment. Uh, so, while we're talking about individuals, uh, I think we need to give a special mention to João Moutinho. Uh, I can see what poster Chris is getting at when he says the following. I don't care how much hype Ronaldo gets. When Moutinho is in form, is on form, the Selesau shifts into top gear. Nathan, Moutinho had a poor season last year and, coincidence or not, the Selesau were also poor for most of that time. Most notably, and depressingly of course, in the World Cup in Brazil. Thankfully, he now looks back to his best. Uh, is Chris right? Is he in some ways Portugal's key man? Well, there, there's certainly no doubt that when Matinho has played well, uh, the team has been in devastating form. So I can't disagree there. But what I think we're, we're seeing whenever Matinho has a really um, incredible match and is, is playing those through balls um, to our attacking players, it just really what that, that tells me is that when, when the midfield is open and functioning properly, um, it allows our attacking players to to be more dangerous. It allows Ronaldo uh, the the freedom to to wander and roam and cause the the backline problems. Uh, to ask them questions um, that maybe he would feel more uncomfortable asking if we didn't have control of the midfield. So certainly, I think Moutinho is a key part of that. But I would I would add um, that as we head into uh, the tournament next year, we're going to have to supplement his contributions with other strong players, William Carvalho, Gomez, as they've been mentioned, and uh, possibly the additions of younger talents like Bernardo Silva or others that um, can create that fulcrum for attack that Ronaldo thrives off of. Ronaldo is the kind of player that you want to put in space, but um, any player who gets in space needs the ball, and there has to be someone there to willingly distribute and effectively distribute that ball. And um, In the World Cup, we saw... Moutinho consistently unable to do that job, even making very simple passes. I remember there was there was a, um, a very frustrating play right before halftime in the game against the United States where Moutinho had a very clear ball over the top to Ronaldo and, and simply just couldn't make it. Um, those kind of uh, things could be attributed to confidence problems due to his poor season. But the bottom line is, whether it's Moutinho or someone else, the midfield is going to have to be in... Um, in amazing form in order for Ronaldo and other key attacking players to perform at their best. Um, so is is he uh, is Moutinho the Portugal's key man? Well, I, I don't know, but it is very important that whoever we put on the field in the center of the pitch, that they're able to to main, maintain control, whether it's him or Thiago or or whoever else. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 
who can forget, of course, Moutinho's, uh, like uh, I was just talking with Simon a bit earlier, his performance against Sweden uh, in the playoff, the second playoff, when, uh, of course, everyone was astounded at Ronaldo's performance, and rightly so. But uh, those through balls that Moutinho put through were uh, really outstanding. Uh, so a few more individual performers were also picked out by our readers uh, after the Serbia game. Andre from the UK says, Ricardo Carvalho is the best centre-back this country has ever produced and he's not too old, as some are suggesting. Class like that just gets better with age. I was impressed with Bozingwa too. And Chuck says, uh, Thiago and Moutinho were fantastic, allowing Coentrao and Nani to float around. So, Simon, uh, were there any other individuals we haven't talked about yet who you think deserve special mention? I think the only other individual that should probably get a special mention from the match was coming off the bench for the injured Ricardo Carvalho is Jose Font. Uh, he hasn't gotten much time in the Celisal, but uh, but all the socials uh, that I frequent uh, for football, uh, it seems most of the people are clamoring for Jose Font to get into the Celisal and just mind-boggled why he's not playing. Well, we finally got uh, a good a good taste of it uh, against Serbia, and he definitely showed, showed very well, uh, strong in the air, and partnered with Bruno Alves. They're not going to be losing uh, many, many headers up there. So uh, I think he came in, uh, it was cool and calm. Uh, I was really disappointed with with the Serbia front line, especially Mitrovic. Uh, they didn't; their movement was not very good. So, uh, you know, it wasn't that that difficult to mark. But Jose Font uh, definitely was uh, overpowering on the pitch and uh, made his presence felt and and did exactly uh, what everyone's been uh, raving about on uh, on the socials lately. Yeah. Okay, uh, I just I think that's a good opportunity to give a little plug to uh, a fantastic article which uh, Nathan wrote uh, a couple of months ago, uh, precisely about Jose Font and saying how he could well be the future of Portugal's central uh, central defence. And uh, of course that may seem a bit strange because I think he's uh, I think he's already 30, but uh, of course when we look at a player like Ricardo Carvalho and uh, the kind of performances he's putting in. Uh, that tells you that maybe uh, Font's got another five, six years uh, at the very top. So, that's good to hear. Uh, So, while the performance against Serbia was solid, maybe not spectacular, uh, nobody can really argue it was a positive result. However, uh, there are still doubts about... uh, Well, there's no doubts, really, that Fernando Santos has a lot of work to do ahead of him to to build a side, uh, to make it a side that can challenge for trophies. Uh, but there is some doubts about the way he's going about it. Uh, some people think he's going about it the wrong way. For example, Mike from Lorinha, he says, OK, fine, an older Portuguese team is getting results, but this is not leading us to the bigger picture, a trophy. Uh, Nathan, you just touched on it in your uh, first response, and I was asking you about uh, Fernando Santos' po- policy of uh, you know sticking with these older players uh, we're just a little over a year away from the Euro 2016 tournament uh, this team looks a long way from being capable of matching the exploits of Euro 2012 uh, sorry Euro 2012 which uh, you saw of course firsthand in the Ukraine do you think Portugal can get to that level by next summer 
And uh, what needs to happen for that to be the case? Well, normally I'm the the optimist. I I choose to look at the bright side, and and I'm going to do that here as well. I do think Portugal can get to the level where they can they can compete for for a trophy, but there's going to be have to be a couple things that need to happen, and and many of them are outside of the control of uh, the, the Federation of Portuguese Football or you know Portuguese the national team management, um, and 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 that is that the, the young talent has to flourish in their clubs. There there has to be a uh, flourishing of the the players, especially those that have been distributed abroad. There's there's several young players, Thiago Elori playing in France, Marcus Lopez that we've we've talked about, Bruno Fernandes and Udinese in Italy. Um, all these players need to uh, become the uh, just the players that we think they they can be, the players that they have been for the under 20 and under 21 sides. Um, and if they can do that, uh, I feel confident that if Santos is willing to integrate them into the side that can give us the youth that we need to balance out some of the experience. Having said that, Santos seems to be a very pragmatic manager. I think he's aware of the fact that that he can win this group, even playing uh, you know players who are uh, maybe a few years past their their best. Um, and I think he's going to do that. And if he continues to do that, go all the way through qualifying with the same squad, it's going to be very difficult um, to change gears and reintegrate. You know, new players and 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 possibly change the the style or the tempo of the team. Um, so I would say it's going to require a fairly dramatic um, shift in, in ideology, where Santos is going to have to decide um, which of these older, more experienced players are going to have to make way for the young talents, and what effect is that going to have on the rest of our qualifying. Um, Introducing new talent into a team is, is not as simple as just plug and play. It upsets the balance of the squad as a whole, and people have to remember that. You can't just take a player, even a very good player, and put them into an established side and expect that player and that team to function uh, at a better capacity. It doesn't work like that. Um, and it's the job of the manager to be able to determine which pieces of this puzzle are going to have to be put together in the right order, right combination for this team to succeed uh, in France next year. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think that's a very good point, Nathan. I, uh, I suppose one thing we can maybe look forward to or hope for is that, uh, you know, this, this qualification looking good at the moment. Perhaps if Portugal, uh, win the next game or two, uh, I think I'm right in saying they'll probably have their qualification guaranteed. So maybe Santos could use the last couple of games, which will, of course, still be competitive games, uh, to, you know, to start this Evolution and this experimenting, bringing in one or two players of the younger players in a competitive environment, and uh, hopefully that will, you know, that will help things, help start the preparation phase for the tournament itself. So uh, now we're just going to have a brief look at the Cape Third game. Uh, unlike the Serbia match, this encounter did not go to plan at all. Uh, Portugal's team was a completely experimental lineup, as I mentioned before. It had uh, seven players earning their senior debuts. The outcome was pretty disastrous, uh, not to put too fine a point on it, with Cape Verde running out deserved 2-0 winners. Uh, here are a couple of posts. Adam, he says, can anyone explain the logic of playing an entirely new experimental squad? What is gained by this? And Miggy writes, in the end, it was an experiment, so at least now we have a rough idea of who is ready for the main roster and who needs a lot more time before we can put them 
in a Portugal shirt again. So, Simon, I know you keep, you keep very close tabs on Portugal's under-21s and the youth levels, uh, who, of course, have been doing fantastically well recently. Uh, were you surprised at how poor the performance was? And uh, can you find any positives to take from it? Uh, was I surprised at how poor the performance was? No, not really. As uh, as I spoke yesterday on Twitter, that uh, I almost felt bad for the players out there because uh, it wasn't really a team. It was uh, it was a selection basically of almost all uncapped players, individuals. Let's put it that way. That were put together on the field and had to go against actually a higher ranked uh, Cape Verde squad than I thought. They're actually 38th on FIFA rankings, That's, and they have some uh, they have some uh, decent names in that squad. But but uh, back to Portugal, uh, was I surprised? No, they had one training session yesterday, and it was basically all fresh faces. Uh, nobody knew wh- what what routes were being ran uh, going into space it was obvious that these were 11 individuals it wasn't really it wasn't really a team um, as you said uh, it was an experiment gone wrong uh, I think well let's put it this way I'm I'm mind boggled that Bernardo Silva was sold for so little uh, he definitely I can see uh, being on being challenging at least for the squad come Euro 2016 time should Portugal be there. Uh, he, he looked very bright. I think uh, Andre Andre has something to offer as well. Uh, Ukra was was uh, quite a right. I mean, by the time they came into the match anyways, was, Portugal was also down to 10 men. That's how even more ridiculous it got. Not only was it kind of a team of individuals playing, but they were also taken down to 10 men. So, so uh, you know, it's hard to judge anybody. Um, I think we've seen just about enough of Hugo Almeida for, uh, the, for the rest of our lives, though, unfortunately. Uh, uh, that's, that seems to be the one spot that Portugal can't fill in right now. Hopefully the under-21 squad after their Euro tournament this coming summer, they can uh, feed a few players up. But besides Bernardo, Andre, Andre, it's difficult to pick anything good out of this match. We know that these players... These individuals are are good players on their club teams, and I mean, if you took any of these players from the Cape Verde match and put them into the main Salisal squad, they would likely flourish. But to get eleven individuals, seven of which were deputizing, and put them on the field after just one training session, then it's a recipe for disaster. So I'm not surprised how it went, but. I think this one, it's best that we just uh, let it die and kind of uh, not use it for a reference point for much in the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was in Estoril yesterday, I actually saw the match, and uh, I can't really argue with anything you just said there. Uh, it was, uh, first of all, I must say I was impressed with Cape Verde, but uh, like you said, the 11 Portuguese players, probably man for man, I think most people would agree that they were probably better, at least had a, a better reputation certainly than the 11 Cape Verde players, but... The difference was Cape Verde were a team and uh, Portugal weren't a team at all. Uh, but also, like you said, uh, Bernardo Silva still found time to to impress. You know, he really does look uh, quite a special talent and uh, quite exciting to see if Fernando Santos can uh, manage to integrate him into the main team in uh, hopefully the not-too-distant future. So... Uh, unfortunately, time's beating us again. Uh, thank you, Nathan, for your excellent insight, as usual. Hey, thanks so much, Tom. Until next time. 
Okay, and likewise, thank you, Simon, for sharing your expertise. Oh, you're very welcome, and thank you for having me on. Okay, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Don't forget, for all your Portuguese football needs, be it the Seleção, Portuguese club football, or Portuguese players abroad, go to the site www.portugal.net. That's P-O-R-T-U-G-O-A-L.net. We'll be back for another podcast soon. Até lá.